Hi, welcome to Ease. I created this podcast to help aspiring entrepreneurs get out of their own way and get money into the bank, get that idea launched and brought successfully to market as soon as possible. My name's Candy Tolentino. I'm your host, and it's my personal mission to help aspiring entrepreneurs live the life of passion, purpose, and ease we were all born to live. On today's episode, I will answer the question, how does a misfit with zero business background, no bank financing, no seed funding, no contacts, take an idea to market, a very competitive market at that, and gross seven figures the first year in business. Well, that misfit would be me. And I'm here to tell you if I can do this, anyone can, because as I mentioned already, I didn't have any contacts. I was very young and naive. I didn't even know what I didn't know. I just had a dream I had a vision, and because I kind of accidentally bumped into some concepts that helped me be successful, I made it. So I'm here to share with you the things that helped contribute to my success, as well as the many mistakes that I made that hopefully you can avoid to make your rise to the top of your entrepreneurial journey that much easier. And I figured I should share a little bit about my background in case you're asking, well, who are you and why should I listen to you? I get it. Here's why you care. Because as I said, I'm a person who has launched actually three different businesses that I took to market and made over six figures the first year, all without any prior experience or know-how in those areas. So I think you can learn from my mistakes, as well as my wins. And if you have any doubts about whether you're smart enough, whether you're well-connected enough, whether you have good enough mental health, all these questions that might be holding you back, I think hearing a little bit of my story might help you with that. So I'll start off by telling you that I was born and raised in a place called Jersey City, New Jersey, very gritty, gritty part of the United States, right on the Hudson River, about 15 minutes away from Manhattan. It's a really eclectic, interesting place to grow up and that there are people living there from, I think, 120 or more countries all over the world. So really diverse, but also very gritty, very urban, crime-ridden, tough living. And growing up, I kind of felt like I didn't fit in very well. First of all, never had the New Jersey accent. And so I was made fun of quite a bit because I sound the same way I sound now. And I had friends who were like, what you doing when you come in to dinner? What you talking about? And then I would open up and say, I don't know, maybe I'll be there at 11 or 12. What do you think? And people would just laugh at me. They would legit laugh at the way that I spoke. And even my godmother, rest her soul, one of my favorite people in the world, she had one of the strongest New Jersey accents I've ever heard. How you doing? I'll see you tomorrow. And I could always hear her accent and the accents around me. So maybe that's why I never ended up with one. I don't know. But needless to say, it kind of made me stand out like a sore thumb on top of the fact that I had what I consider an extremely dysfunctional painful, confusing childhood, 
from the outside looking in, people saw us as the Huxtables, right? Because my mother was a judge, my father was a doctor. This was a big thing for black people at this time in the country. Like they were supposed to be the American dream, right? And on the outside, they were. They were very accomplished, super smart, driven people. But our home was a stressful place to grow up. Maybe I'll go more into it in another episode, but needless to say, I'll I'll just give you a little bit of that part of the story. We were expected to be well-dressed, well-spoken, get straight A's, and always cheerful and happy, and that just wasn't the reality. And I noticed that when I was about 16, a junior in high school, the pressure of all of this was weighing heavily on me. And I can remember the moment, in fact, that I had my first really, really depressed slash suicidal thought. I can remember being 16, walking down the hallway at school, feeling utterly alone and feeling like I would be better off if I just weren't here. Like, it's not like I don't want to live anymore or not like I want to die, I should say. I just don't want to live anymore like this. I felt like my surroundings were super depressing, demoralizing. As I said already, I felt like I didn't fit in. Can you relate to that? Have you ever just felt like nobody understands me or I'm never going to be pretty enough? I'm never going to be athletic enough, rich enough, smart enough. I know that the most universal disempowering belief for all of us is not enoughness. We are not enough something. We're not tall enough. We're not skinny enough. We're not whatever enough. Fill in the blank. We all suffer from this delusion of thought. (sighs) I'm going to take a breath on that. And I was suffering greatly in my teens and into my early 20s with just depression that I was medicating. I was always trying to ignore it. And thank goodness I had enough exposure coming from the inner city to people, you know, with drug and alcohol addictions and crime, people who went down the wrong path. So thank goodness that wasn't appealing to me at all, those types of medications. But I medicated in other ways through dating incessantly and acting and just trying to do something that could make me feel like I had impact, like I mattered in a certain way. And that's another thing that I think most entrepreneurs are born with, which is actually a good thing because it helps to create innovation, right? It helps us to improve the planet we all live on because certain people are born with a seed planted inside of them hungry, eager for more, for improvements, for betterment. And so I had that seed planted, but I I was under a pretty heavy depression at the same time. And one day there was a turning point. I was watching an episode of Oprah and she was talking about these things I'd never heard of before called cruciferous vegetables. Well, the cruciferous vegetables are the vegetables that have the highest amounts of antioxidants and nutrients that help to fight cancer. 
And I remember literally crying when I watched that episode because I hated all of them. (laughs) I hated broccoli and Brussels sprouts and cabbage and cauliflower. I just, I had no room in my life for vegetables. I I have been vegetarian since I was 15, but I was a junk food vegetarian, one who lived on pizza and donuts and bagels. So you can guess how that turns out, right? So anyway, but turning point, I cried and I thought, I am just going to die because between this heavy depression and the fact that I'm not eating anything with any nutrients in it, my body's just going to give out. And then ding, light bulb moment. See, if you can solve a common problem, you've got a million dollar idea. And at the time I thought, okay, I must not be the only one that has this problem that wants to eat healthy food, but doesn't like the taste of healthy food. Like who wants to eat something that tastes like tree bark or wheatgrass, right? And I had a very, very spoiled palate at the time. So I thought, okay, how am I going to save my life? I think I want to die, but I don't really want to die. How can I not die? So I immersed myself into studying health and wellness and I attended raw culinary school for two weeks. I took this crash course and the raw vegan movement at the time was just emerging. It was pretty exciting, but most of the food I was learning or the dishes I was learning to prepare in culinary school were just different takes on salad for the most part, maybe a raw lasagna, but the desserts at the time were mostly pureed fruit on a plate. And I remember thinking, how can I make this more interesting? Because again, I can't be the only one that has this problem that has a craving for decadent yummy food, but I want to eat food that gives me life, not takes life away from me. And then I decided to start throwing events out of my home, making five course dinners with raw food that was like interesting and tasty, but it just happened to be raw, vegan, and good for you. And the thing that people rave the most about were the desserts. And so I knew I was really onto something because desserts can be packaged and mass distributed much easier than the rest of the food that we were making. And I figured this was an easier business to start than a restaurant. And restaurants have a high fatality rate, so on and so forth. So from that point, Earth Cafe which was the first company that I launched that I alluded to at the top of this episode was born. And in short order, because I had happened upon a product that had a high level of demand, short supply, and really solved a problem, filled a need, we made a dessert that tasted rich and creamy and yummy, right? Not like a sacrifice, but that was a healing food that had amazing ingredients that were good for the body. And so it kind of flew off the shelves. And the thing that made me, even though I had no business contacts and I didn't have bank funding and I didn't have any broker that I had access to or anybody to get me meetings with major buyers of stores and restaurants, I had a belief. And so this is what I want to pass on to you. A few things. Number one, If you're launching a business right now, or if you've already launched a business and your sales aren't quite what you'd like them to be, 
rethink whatever your minimum viable criteria is for your business. Mine is now this, whatever I'm launching has to be life-changing. And that might sound like a tall order, but I promise you can do it. Here's how you do it. It changes people's lives if it's better than what's already available. So cheesecake is as old as the sun, right? But we made it in a new innovative way. We made cheesecake made from nuts. We made our desserts with a sweetener that wasn't refined sugar. We made something new that the world hadn't seen before. And I knew that it could change people's lives. So knowing that it wasn't difficult at all for me to call Whole Foods and pitch them, even though at the time I didn't even have so much as a logo. I didn't even know how unprepared I was for the business world, but I knew that I had a product that was amazing and that there was a demand for it. So that gave me the confidence. And here, this was my pitch when I called Whole Foods. Feel free to steal it if you're in need of pitch ideas. This is what I said to the buyer. Hi, my name's Candy. I'm founder and CEO of Earth Cafe Living Foods. We make a cheesecake that is so incredible. I promise if you give me five minutes of your time, I'm absolutely going to change your life. And if what I'm saying isn't true, you will never hear from me again, but just five minutes to demonstrate to you that I have a product that has the power to revolutionize the food industry as we know it. Do you have time Monday through Wednesday of this week? I got the yes. Number one, they weren't used to getting pitches of some young, naive person who was so confident and who was promising to change their life if they gave them just five minutes. And number two, I could really back it up with the product that I presented. So I got the yes from Whole Foods and the rest was history. (laughs) Then the rest was logistics and finding out all the things that I had to learn overnight, like barcodes and distribution and health department compliance and all that fun stuff. But if you get the yes and you get the door to open, then you can figure out the rest later. But make sure that you have a minimum viable criteria that your product, service, or offering can change people's lives. So if you're making smoothie bowls, you got to make sure they're the best darn smoothie bowls anyone's ever tasted. If you are a life coach, what can you offer that's different than every other life coach out there because there's, you know, a life coach for every day of the week. If you have a shoe line or a makeup or another online business, whatever you're doing, just make sure it's impactful enough to change people's lives. So if you're making candles, then maybe you make wearable candles. Maybe maybe you make candles in scents that are only non-toxic. Just do something that solves a problem and improves everyone's life. And if you can happen upon a product or service that improves people's lives, you will have the ability to knock on any door and to have the confidence that it takes to keep going when the going gets tough, because it always does. But the belief in yourself and the conviction in having a product that's life-changing will pull you through every time. And it did for me. And that was just the start of my entrepreneurial journey, as well as my journey through figuring out how to get over depression and how to have belief in myself and how to keep going no matter what. 
It's never the smartest person in business who's the most successful, but always the person who perseveres the most and who doesn't take no for an answer. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode today. And if you have a story you'd like to share, I'd love to hear from you. You can reach me online at ease, that's E-E-A-Z-E dot com, or on our show hotline at 801-901-7030. And until next time, remember to stay on your mission, on purpose, and always at ease. Bye for now. Bye for now.